0: In getting the gospel out, and before we we would take groups of people to an event, and and then we would do that, and it, it it was good. But then people would do nothing until we planned another event, and we were like, "This is what we do. This isn't about an event and a program. It's about who we are." As Brian says a lot of times. It's it's our DNA of who we are as as a Christian, if, if you're a believer. And so we've been working over the years to put together, um, really, IGO in a different way and making sure that it could be organic. And so uh, Pat has really taken the ball and run with it in the last uh, several months, six months. And he's going to be laying out tomorrow the... The methodology, really, the the principles and the process that we do we're doing at at Heartland to help disciple in one part of making disciples. Right, making disciples is is really a, a process. It's it's not just the discipleship books, but it is making disciples. One they've got to be one, and then they grow. And anywhere in that process is making disciples. And so we have worked to develop a process here that we are excited about and um one part of that is we first have to depend upon the lord because if it's just about what we're doing in our own flesh and some shiny plan that's no good so first we got to come to the lord and come to the lord in prayer and and over the years and thinking about this and so i i Came to Heartland in 2010. I, that's when I first came, and even from that point, Brian and I've been talking about this, and so it's just continued to grow over that that time. But as I've you know poured into the Scripture, a, a question that I have is, Lord, where's the direction as far as how can we pray for the lost? And we've had different things that we've done with praying for the lost as i am sure many of you at your different um at your different works and ministries that you're you're doing is you know look for somebody at work look for somebody at home look for somebody in your neighborhood family member and pray for them and so over the years as we've looked at that we thought okay what what's our guide in scripture as far as praying for the lost uh, one is that we you know Luke 18:1 Jesus said, and he spake a parable unto them to this end. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. We know prayer is a key part of this, right? Always to pray. Pray without ceasing, right? Uh, If you turn to John chapter 34, I'm sorry, there's not a John chapter 34. John chapter 4, verse 34. John chapter 4, turn with me there. I guess it's on the screen there. Jesus said in John chapter 4, he said, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Well, that was the theme last year, right? To finish his work. Say not, ye, there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathers fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor, and other men labored, and you entered into their labors. So, as we think about this, as far as what Jesus laid out with, with the harvest and the field that we are to look upon, a, a passage or a part of that passage really stuck out to me, and that's the one that I highlighted there. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. So many times we, we almost consider it a work to do and a burden, instead of understanding that there's a rejoicing in that. Uh, sometimes ministry gets difficult, and it gets hard, and that's when we're, we're not walking with the Lord, but understanding that there is a rejoicing that when we look on the harvest in the field, and in this idea of the fact that we are laborers, we are laborers, and the, and the problem is so many times is that we don't live like we're laborers in the field. You know, we're God's vessel on this earth for his harvest. And as I think about it, what do we hold as a vessel? A vessel holds something. We hold the Holy Spirit of God within us, and we are called to embody his holy word. And so what are we carrying around as vessels? We're carrying around his word, it should be in us, and his Holy Spirit as we're moving around on this earth. And that should be lived out, and that's the labor that that we should be a part of is as we carry these two things, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. But so many times, we don't live like we're laborers. And I'm talking as as a common, um, as, as, as a member and not as a pastor, because, you know, when we're leaders well, that's just what we do but this is beyond just the leaders it's it's every christian picking up the call of christ to say why am i here and what am i to do and we are to be laborers and so what i want to dig a little bit deeper into is the fact that god has equipped his servants with two powerful weapons and all we need to engage in his mission is declare his his gospel to the loss with these two and they're simple okay it's no big re- revelation here it's the word of God in prayer but when we see how Jesus talked about the word of God in prayer it instructs us how we can be more effective and more um, uh, more powerful in our witness you see Our power and our victory as the church of the living God is realized and manifested through these spiritual tools of the word of God and prayer. And we need to live like it. We need to believe this. It's about Christ living in and through you, which is mightily realized through you being immersed in the word of God. It's not about your knowledge of the word of God, but your love, first and foremost, for the word of God, capital W, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then his holy word, because that's how we know him. Through his voice and his words and scripture as he speaks to us daily. And then the love that we have in spending time with him through prayer. It's that relationship that we have with him that should motivate us to go on and tell others. Is that not how this whole thing started, right? When we look back at the disciples and what they did... It was their hard attitude to say, you need to know about my Jesus. So it's about our love for the word of God. Psalm 118, that's what that's all about, right? With David and his love for the word of God. He messed up so much and God says, yes, I know those things, but you had a heart for me. You had a heart for my word because that's how you knew I could communicate with you. So it's less about what we know about the word of God. And really, Mike taught us this before. It's about what the word of God is in you, right? How much of the word of God has in your heart, in your life. And it's not even about the amount of time that you spend in prayer, although that's important. It's rather the attitude of your heart and love for him in prayer. That God says, that's what I'm looking for, a true worshiper. You know, a lot of times in what I do as a profession, we look at design um, and skills and teaching students uh, how to create design to become professionals in different areas, whether it's engineer or computer science or whatever. You start with the end result and you work backwards for the best design. So if we, and, and that's, that's what God always did. He gave us the, the end result in here. We have it already. But if we start for us with the end result, the finish line, for us, it's the judgment seat of Christ. And if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's not the amount of time. It's not how much you know. It's of what sort it is, right? Gold, silver, and precious stones, not wood, hay, and stubble. So sometimes I have classes here that are small, you know, whether Wednesday night or others. And it's just a couple people. I don't care. Because that's gold, silver, and precious stones. I don't care about the numbers. I'm doing the work that I'm called to do, regardless of the numbers. Because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, I led more numbers, but that's on him. My job is to bring the loaves and the fishes, and he multiplies them. That's not my job. Hebrews, as we look at these two weapons, I don't need to remind you, but what a powerful weapon that we have in the word of God that helps us. We can't, like Jesus, discern the thoughts and minds because we're not God, but we, He's given us a tool that can do that. So when we're talking about witnessing, we're, we're talking about intentionally taking the gospel out, we have a weapon that can discern thoughts and the intents of the hearts, right? For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, a lot of times we think of our own heart our own mind, but as we are witnessing what is happening so many times, I've, I've shared with people, and I'll say something, and I'll, I'll share a scripture, and walk away going, I got nothing out of that, but then later I find out what it had been rattling around in that person's head was the word of God. I had no idea, but God knew exactly which scripture and what word needs to affect the the thoughts and the intents of that person's heart. When we look at uh, prayer, James five sixteen. I have a a picture. We have a picture in our house. Um, it's it's actually a father uh, praying uh, at the bed of a, of a child, and there's there's a picture of uh, spiritual warfare going on, and it has this this verse: the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, a lot of times our prayer is not effectual because we're not in the right relationship with God or with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so it's not effectual. Sometimes it's not fervent. It's, it's not seeking out the Lord. But when it is, it's powerful. And so with these two weapons that we have and God is in power with, and we are vessels walking around with these weapons, that, I mean, can you imagine you imagine Moses or Abraham with these weapons? They didn't have the complete word of God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit of God sealed inside of them. Well, that wasn't theirs. It's, it's ours. But they would have loved that. So, understanding that we are equipped, because so many times when I talk to people about witnessing, they're, well, I can't because of this. I don't know, I No, you're equipped with all you need. You just need to believe it. It's it's like a a quote I heard is uh, somebody working with atheists. They said, well, ask the question to an atheist, well, what if Christianity were true? Would you believe it? And the person said, a lot of atheists say, no, I wouldn't. If it were true, you wouldn't believe it? Well, then, obviously, the issue is not knowledge. It's your heart. And, and we need to make sure our heart is right in saying, Lord, we're, we believe you, that you've given us the power through your spirit. You've equipped us with the ability to pray and, and pull down your mighty power, and you've given us your word. We have what we need. Now, sometimes we, we go with the wrong mindset of the wrong motivation, that it's like getting, um, getting rewards in heaven, like bonus points in a cosmic, a cosmic video game. That's the wrong idea as well. It's not about getting some bonus points, you know, after we go on to glory. Uh, will God reward us? Absolutely. But that should not be our motivation as we go in. The primary motivation must be your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That as many as possible will receive and follow him as as Savior and Lord into their lives. It's not really even about the lost. It is. But the focus, and I referenced it earlier, is the disciples, they went out because they said, you have to know this Jesus. I mean, to their own lives, hazarding their own lives. It was about them understanding who Jesus is. I mean, I'm reading through Acts right now, and time and time again, Paul, he gets up from being all intents and purposes. Everybody thinks he's dead, and he gets up, and everybody is is amazed, and he goes right back into the battle. The same thing that he came out of. Because he so desperately wanted people to know his Jesus. So it's about... Him being glorified and exalted and bringing Him the greatest glory. Now, with that, yes, we should have a heart for the lost, but our primary motivation is Him. Now, that's all review. You already knew that. But then the question becomes, and this is what I want to talk about, is in this issue of, of prayer... I searched out and looked for a place. Lord, where in the Bible do I have an example of how to pray effectively for the lost that their hearts would change and they would be saved? So I'm gonna pose that question to you. Where in the Bible do we have an example to pray directly for the lost that their hearts would change, that God would change their hearts To be saved. There isn't one. There there isn't an example. in, In scripture. Of. God just. Saying, This is how you pray to change somebody's heart so they will believe. Now, the question is why? Well, we'll get to that later. But let's start with what the Bible actually does say about praying in relation to the loss. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, we, we see the story of what the Bible actually does say about prayer in relation to going out to the harvest. And Jesus told us to pray that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So Matthew nine thirty seven and 38, it says, "'Then saith he unto his disciples, "'The harvest truly is plenteous, "'but the laborers are few.'" Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. So the problem is not the harvest, but so many times that's what we think. Oh, it's just so hard. Well, that's not what this says. The problem's not the harvest. The harvest is what? What's it say there? Plenteous. It's plenteous, but we don't believe it so many times. We go in expecting that it's the person's going to say no or reject. That happens. But what we need to be doing is believing that it's plenteous. We need to believe that our Lord, what our Lord actually said. And too often, we wrongly believe the problem is the harvest. But the truth is, the problem is that there are real, or there are a few real laborers. So the problem is in the laboring, that we're not laboring in faith that God has a harvest and wants us to labor in it. And we make it about the lost or what we can't do instead of about him, where he places the emphasis. Whose harvest is it? It's his harvest. Now, we can own that, and definitely we want to own that um, because of our peace and what he he has allowed us to do. But it's his, and we need to trust him that he knows what he's doing. We need to engage as a laborer, and we need to encourage more people to become laborers in Jesus' harvest. Because it's not about us, it's not even about the loss, it's truly about the Lord and His kingdom that His harvest would be filled and that He would be glorified. Now, I, I say that it sounds like I don't care about the loss. I do. I do. I mean, yes, we want that for him. I want them to experience what I've experienced, yes. But we get it out of position, we need to make sure he's preeminent in that. So it's it's the harvest, and he sent the labors. It's not about making the lost believe in him, but about them hearing the gospel, and we are to declare it. It's really their choice whether to believe or not. Be turning to Ephesians chapter six, if you would. So the, the first passage that we have in scripture that deals with the lost and the instructions on how to pray was, was Matthew, Matthew chapter nine. He says, okay, this, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labor. So first and foremost, that's what we should be doing. Sending forth, asking God to send forth labors into his harvest. And uh, most of my family is in Iowa. I can't get there a lot. So what God has instructed me to do, I'm praying, God, send labors. When I can't go, send labors to those to those loved ones that I have. Send them, because I can't go. And, and I believe that's what he showed us to do, is send the rest of the body of Christ when I can't go. In Ephesians chapter 6, we we see the the next passage that talks and is instructive on how to pray. Now, as you well know, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, especially 10 through 17, lay out the what? The armor of God. And so it goes through the whole armor. And then how do you use that armor? Well, that's verse 18, to pray, right? What are you going to do with that? You're locked and loaded. Okay, what do you do? To pray. And... Paul instructs us on how to pray in relation to getting the gospel out. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereinto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so he says, for everybody and then for me and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, so Paul instructs us here, and actually we'll look at it in just a little bit, also in Colossians, and we have a framework here for intentional gospel outreach that that, that Paul gives us, and the Lord has um, recorded for us to keep and use. And I would I would submit that just as in the Lord's Prayer, Disciple's Prayer, what do you want to call it, we don't pray that verbatim. In fact, right before it says, don't pray this word for word. It's a framework that we are to use in Scripture with, with the, the Lord's Prayer. I believe this is a framework for us that when we pray for the lost and going out, um, in, in gospel outreach, this is how we can effectively pray. So with Ephesians chapter 6, the first thing that we have here is, and for me that utterance may be given to me. Now that, utter, that word utterance is a very interesting word. It's only used five times in the entire Bible. Every single time is in the New Testament. Five is what? The number of death and grace. Both of those, right? And uh, you, you will see that it's going to be one of those two when you're witnessing. Some, with those words, that utterance, it'll either come down on one side, grace or death. That word is, is the word logos, as, as you probably well know. The amazing thing about this is the fact that the words that, that God uses, this word here, that we get to use as a part of sharing the gospel it was used in the creation of this, this world and the universe. It's used in, in us getting into the kingdom. And it will be used in the judgment seat at the other end, in judgment. This is a powerful word. It's connected to everything. And he says, I want, to, I want you to use this as you go forth with the gospel. So we have in here a few passages Acts In 1 and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and then Ephesians and Colossians. I want to first look at if we pray for utterance, and that actually means words, that God would give us words. And so many times when I talk to people about the gospel, they're like, I just don't know what to say. Have they said that to you? I just don't know what to say. Here's the answer. Ask God to give you the words. Now, I well, He's giving you the words, and then the question is, well, which ones? Right? There's a lot in here. He'll tell you which ones. Just ask him. But if you look at each of these passages, it's very instructive. So, in Acts chapter two and verse four, we see this. It says, "And they were filled with all, with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave utterance." Don't worry, Pastor. Where I'm going with this. He gave them utterance. Obviously, this was for the Jew. It was a sign, okay? And notice it was other tongues. They were able to speak in a foreign language as a sign. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, it's coming back when, after we leave this world, that will be coming back. And people will be able to do this. But he gave them the exact words in the exact language. If he can do that, can he give us the words in a time to share the gospel? Absolutely. So, well, let's go to a better example, Jeremy, because, you know, that was for the Jew and and, uh, it was a sign. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 5, it says that in everything you're enriched by him in in all utterance and in knowledge. What do the Greeks seek after? What do the Gentiles look for? Knowledge. So this utterance worked for the Jews and it's going to work for the Gentile too. And for a a Gentile, we need to understand it. And so God will give the exact words to give that knowledge. We just need to trust him with that. In 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it says, Therefore, as you abound in everything in faith, in utterance, or words, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So, again, it's connected with that knowledge that God will give you those words now, the thing is, we're impatient and we expect God, you know, when I witness, I want to see it happen and change all right now. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. And so many times, you don't know if you are, you're, you're sowing, if you're watering, if you're planting. you don't know where you're at in that process. And let God take care of what he takes care of. But just know the knowledge that you're going out with and you're sharing is what needs to be said if you're asking God for the words, and he'll give you that. Now, we're going to look at the other two instances in Ephesians. Well, we, we already looked at Ephesians, but in Colossians in just a little bit. But the word gives us what to say. And so, in fact, you can use and you should use Scripture when you are uh, witnessing because people are born again, right? By the word of God. But the question is, which? Ask God which. He'll show you. He'll bring it to your mind so you can bring it to their mind. And that's where prayer comes in. And asking the Holy Spirit to guide us to the exact right words to say. Praying before, during, and after. You know, so many times I'll be talking to somebody and I'm praying too, right? Right? <laughs> Lord, give me the exact word to say. As there are words coming out of my mouth talking to somebody, I'm asking for God to give it to me. What, what words do you want me to say? So it's, it's really not about witnessing for God. It's witnessing with God. And I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching you know, the news, and you can't but help but see um, all the stuff with Ukraine coming on, right? And today's modern warfare the modern soldier has an earpiece a lot of times, so they know exactly where they are to go and they're connected all the time. That's just technology kept catching up with what God has been doing spiritually for years, right? We have the Holy Spirit within us and we have that, that earpiece in our, actually in our heart inside of us and um, all we need is, Lord, show me, show me where to lay down the fire. What weapons do I use? What, what is the utterance that I should be using? Yeah, technology is is just mimicking the spiritual reality. And in modern war, soldiers have earpieces, um, but we have the Holy Spirit. Now, as we dig a little bit deeper, I I want to uh, take note of something that Jesus said in John 17. So in John 17, uh, Jesus prays for three things. He's praying for the believers um, as as he's preparing uh, for... The uh, the passion and preparing to make sacrifice and he's he's uh, of himself for sin and he's preparing um, his disciples. That's that famous passage, that chapter where he he prays for three things for believers: that they would be safe, sanctified, and unified; that they would be one as we are one, right? And in the midst of his positions uh, his petitions for his followers he makes this statement in verse 8. So in John 17:8 he says, "For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee and that they have believed that thou didst send them, send me." So Jesus says that He gave the words that he had received to give, and that's exactly what we are to do too. And then in verse 20 of that same chapter, it says, Neither I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Who's that? That's you, that's me. Those who were not walking with him, that the word has been passed down for us and to us that we can believe. So it, it's it's about understanding the the words and praying for those words, you know John ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. John one one one. In the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was with God. The word was God. God puts an emphasis here um, on His word, and we need to first and foremost pray for utterance that God give me Your words before I as I go in. Equip me. And then the second thing here, in verse 19, he says this. He says, to open my mouth boldly for the gospel. So in Ephesians 6, 19, he says, to open my mouth boldly. So a lot of times, okay, we know the words that we're going to say. They may not be the, the ones that we should be you know, praying that God would give us exactly what's needed. But sometimes we, you know, we have a card or something to say. But then we never open our mouths. you ever been there before? And later you're like, I didn't open my mouth and I should have. Okay, so it sounds like none of you have been in that, that boat. But I've been in that boat, okay? Um, where I didn't open my mouth about the gospel and I should have. So what Paul is saying is, pray for me that I'll open my mouth boldly for the gospel So many times we simply don't open our mouths. We keep our mouths shut when we should be opening them and be bold for the gospel. So first, Lord, give me the words and then open this mouth so I can speak your truth. Pray for that. And he will give you that. Now, what does it take? Boldness. And that's the problem. We don't have the boldness. Give me boldness to open my mouth, and he will. And then third, it says, to make known the mystery of the gospel. In the Bible, a mystery is something hidden that we are to reveal. It's not meant to be kept hidden. We are the ones who are to reveal it. You know, the lost can't see unless we make it known. 1 Corinthians 2.7 says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. In Acts 26.18, uh, revealing that, that mystery, in verse, actually verse 17, it says, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from power to light. Of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So you have the truth, and it's hidden for them. And so what we need to do is make known that mystery. They're they're clueless, and we need to make known the mystery of the gospel to them. So pray for utterance, pray for the words, that God would give us the words, pray that you may open your mouth boldly, pray to make known the mystery of the gospel, and then in verse 20 of of Ephesians 6, to speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's the next problem that we do is is that, uh, that we have is, okay, we got the words, I've opened my mouth, I'm making known the mystery, and then something happens in the conversation and you go off and start talking about the weather, or something else, and you don't speak as you ought. Has that happened to you? I guess a couple of you. So (laughs) it's happened to me a lot. And I walk away, or the next day, and going, what just happened? Well, of course, it's a spiritual battle. And that's why we need to be equipped, and we need to be praying. We need to be in tune to make sure that we are keeping on target, and we have... We have the tools here. Now, notice here that Paul says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. In, verse, in, in chapter uh, 6, he says that I may speak boldly as I have to speak, but the idea of being in bonds. And so, um, we'll look at that in just a minute. But um, go ahead and turn over to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, if you would. So, um, you're an ambassador in bonds, and I just want to, as we're turning over to the next passage, look at that. We're bound to the mission of the gospel, but many times we live like we have no ties for it. And I'm talking about the common person. Um, So, the believer, a lot of times, that's nice, that's for the pastor, that's for the missionary leader, that's not for me. And we need to help them understand, no, if you are a believer, you're bound to the gospel. And and help them understand that it, it, is, it is not beneficial to them to live like you have no ties, that you're not bound to the gospel. But that's exactly why the Lord has left us here, is, is to uh, live out and to be bound to the gospel. And that's exactly how the disciples lived. They, they were bound to it. They, they lived each day for the purpose of sharing the gospel, and that's what we should be looking for is, Lord, who do you have for me? Because he's planted each of us in a unique place. So, as we've turned over to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, we see a parallel passage here. So, you have the framework in, in Ephesians 6, and then nearly the same words in Colossians chapter 4, but there's a little bit of a tweak to it. And it says this, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all, praying for us. Now he started out in the other passage praying for everyone. This time he starts out talking about us and himself included. That God would open unto us a door of utterance and speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest or make it known as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be all way with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So did you see how there are parallel pieces there? But just there, there's a little difference there that we need to pay attention to. So in verse four, he now says a door of utterance. Colossians 2, verse 4, he says, to open a door of utterance to speak Christ. Now, the difference in one is give us utterance, give us the words, but sometimes you need a crack. You need a door open so you can speak Christ. And if we ask God, he will give us that door, that opportunity to to walk through and bring up Christ. Now, before he said to speak the gospel, right? Now it's Christ. What's the difference? They're one and the same, right? If you preach Christ, you're preaching the gospel. If you're preaching the gospel, you're preaching Christ. So to open a door of utterance to speak Christ. The mystery of the gospel is the mystery of Christ. And to preach Christ is to preach the gospel. So then in in verse 4 he goes on to say, To know that I'm also in bonds. So he mentions it again. And to the mystery of Christ. And we're bound to the mission of declaring the mystery of Christ. So understand that. Now, in the Bible, when God takes the time in his word to repeat something again, what is he saying? Pay attention, right? This is important. It's God's highlighter to repeat things. And in verse five, he says that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that I, you may not, to, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. So here he says, in verse five, to make it manifest, to make the mystery of Christ manifest, to make it known, to make it seen, as I ought to speak. And so that's what we need to pray for. Lord, help help me. Help those that I have a, a neighbor, I have a, a, a co-worker, I have a friend, and I, I've shared with them, but Lord, send others. Open their mouths. Give them the words. Help them to make it seen, to make it known. Help them to speak as they ought to speak. Because we're all connected in the body of Christ and God will use he cares for it more than you do. So to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And uh, so many times we're not walking in wisdom. And if you go, I, I don't know how to walk in wisdom. Well, God's taking care of that too, right? James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. So ask God to give you wisdom in those times. Toward them that are without, and then in verse five it says, okay, he goes on to say, "Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time." So to be redeeming the time is is taking the time that we have and using it for the Lord. So Lord, help me to redeem the time that I'll, I will be taking this time and making it yours. That's really what it you say. It's not my time. This is your time, Lord, because I am yours. and then he goes on to say to let your speech be with grace and to let your speech be seasoned with salt those two things of salt and grace now we know in Matthew 5:13 you're the salt of the earth but if the salt has lost its savor wherewith shall it be salted is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot. So we need to be salty when we're talking and say, Lord, put that salt in my, my speech. And you don't even know what that salt is. He does. That salt that makes them hungry for the word. And ask him for that. And make sure it's with grace. Lord, put grace in my words. There have been times in, in working where I work, I say the same thing to different people and it's taken it two different ways. I say, Lord, just, just make it grace, make it be received as grace. That's the purpose of a Christian. Now, it's interesting that this is in the book of Colossians. We, we talked about Ephesians and the fact that it was positioned in, um, as what to do with the armor of God. This is in the book of Colossians. Colossians is a very interesting book, especially in the the day that we're living in right now, um, because it is the book that's parallel for the Laodicean Christian. This is our purpose, it's just the fact that the, and that is to, to be intentionally sharing the gospel, it's just the Laodicean Christian has forgotten that. It's important to note here that the book of Colossians was read in the church of the Laodiceans because we're living in the Laodicean church age. This is what we need to hear right now in our time. And so God said, okay, Laodicean church, understand this. So you don't believe me, Colossians 4.16, and when this epistle is read among you, cause it to be read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So we in our our church age, the Laodicean church age, we should take heed to what's being said here in Colossians. The whole book is good, but in this context, understanding that how do we pray and how do we get that gospel? We have a power that we do not, we do not enact upon, and that is asking God to give us what we need and to pray effectively. Now, I want you to notice something here that's, that's interesting is we're going to look, we're going to think back through these passages one last time, and there are two parable uh, passages, but let's look at the pronouns as we look through here. So in Ephesians 6, 18, he starts out talking about praying for the brethren and praying for... The body of Christ. He says, praying with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for how many saints? All saints. So he says, I'm, this is good for the entire body of Christ. And we could pray for the body of Christ for these. And then he turns it back on himself and he says, As for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery. Of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he makes it very personal, and he is even asking others, You pray for me for this. Please pray for me when I go out. And in, Colossian, in Colossians, he does just the opposite. He says, continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving with all for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And so he talks about himself and us. And then he uses the um, imperative second person. He says, ye, it's a command. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Why, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. So, who's it good for? It's good for you. It's good for all Christians. It's good for you to ask other Christians to pray this for you. It's good for everybody in the body of Christ for us to pray this way. So, each time Paul prays for others. It's, it's all, it's us, it's as the body. He asks for prayer for himself as well. And this template for praying, for intentionally going and being sent as a labor into the Lord's harvest can be used for all. For yourself, your ministry team, your church, other believers within the body of Christ that ye may be able to answer every man for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said before, notice there are 14 elements. What's the number fourteen? Double blessing. And is reinforcing the number seven. When God repeats something, which he did in these two passages, he's emphasizing it, saying, Pay attention, church. Pay attention, those who, who love me and, and want to get the, the word out. There are essentially seven elements that are explained in just a little bit different ways. So you have 14 total through two local churches, Ephesus and Colossae. And if, if you can simply remember these three passages and pray through them, you, you um, can be more effectual in your, your prayer. In Matthew 9, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Pray for those labors to go. In, in Ephesians, listing out those things, and also in Colossians. So we, we have those 14 elements, and a lot of times people go, okay, but you pose the question of 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 why, or the, the, the question of why doesn't God have us pray for the person's heart? Is it wrong to pray for the person's heart? I don't think it's wrong, but I also believe it's not effectually praying, and I'll tell you why. This is my own thought. Um, next slide, please. In a couple minutes, OK, so first I have to go over this. Um, so first, God has us covered, right? The problem of fear, of fear is countered with the ability to pray for boldness. What do most people say? Well, that's such a scary thing to pray or to go out and witness to the loss. God has you covered. So pray for boldness. He'll take care of that fear. I've been saved for over 30 years, and almost every time I go out to witness, I'm afraid. I'm not an evangelist. I'm afraid. I just know I'm supposed to do it. But I drag this flesh over. I witness. And I'm skipping out afterwards because I see what God's done. Whether somebody's got saved or not, I had an opportunity to share Jesus. And I know that and I've done that countless times. And yet every time my flesh doesn't want to go. I have that fear. I'm not gifted like some of the others who have no fear in that. I'm sorry. Um I I think um, it's not about the fear, it's about pushing through it. The problem of what to say is countered with the ability to pray for utterance. God will give you the words, just ask him for it. The problem of the way to bring up Christ, well, I don't know how to start the conversation. Pray for a door of utterance. Well, the last problem, I don't know how to stay on mission because every time... The conversation just goes the wrong way, okay? Pray that God would have you speak as you ought to speak. He's got you covered. We just need to ask him. So back to the the last question. So the next thing, I'm still not there yet. I'm not following my PowerPoint. Um, So we need to understand that who's this start with? Well, Not to quote Michael Jackson, but the man in the mirror, right? You, right? Here I am, send me. And yes, God will use other people. We should pray for other people. But first and foremost, we should be praying for ourselves. Lord, give me the words like Paul did. Help me to speak as I ought to speak. Help me to open this mouth. And and so forth. It should start with us. Here I am send me. And that prayer should be on our heart along with this effectual prayer. I I guess there's our fourth passage. I haven't looked at it this way as far as when God says going, here I am, send me. Um, Now back to the question that a lot of people go, well, why doesn't God have us pray directly for the hearts of lost to change? Now I've thought a lot about this, Lord, as I've I dug and dug and looking, and I I can't find anything that says that I'm supposed to pray for a lost person's heart. I can't find it in Scripture, but why? And so I'd submit to you this, the reason I believe why, and that's because I believe that, next slide, I believe that God does not tell us to pray directly for the lost, that their hearts would change. God provides a door and circumstances but he will not force a heart to change. We do not have a dictator as a God, and he will not force anyone's heart to change. Look at Jesus. He gave the opportunity, and it's up to them to believe. Regeneration happens when they act in faith, respond to the truth of the gospel. I mean, that's the whole point here. Do you love my son? And it's up to you to... Take and follow him. But God will not go, you have to believe. That's not love. But our God says, you have a choice. And so he says, instead of making the emphasis of changing the person's heart, it is giving that person the opportunity because God is sending his church with his word through his spirit to give that person an opportunity to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God won't force anyone to believe and follow him. He is not a dictator. You have a free will to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord or to reject him. And it is a choice. So therefore, God put the emphasis on going out and sending those to share the message. Instead of a heart being forced to change. Does that make sense to you all? So I'm not propagating Calvinism, just so you know. (laughs) That's not what it's about. But it's about saying, okay, Lord, what did you give me in your word and how can I be more effectual and how can I use the power that you've been given? And he says, this is the framework uh, through Paul that he's given us to pray. Paul asked it for himself and for all believers. And I think that if we pray effectually that way, and if we mess it up, we don't have to worry because the Holy Spirit will work through that. But if our heart attitude is, Lord, I, I want to be sharing your truth. And I'm going to, to follow the structure that you've been given by your example, Paul. God, God's going to honor that and he's going to grow us. And he's going to show us and he's going to disciple us and allow us to, to disciple others in, in sharing uh, of the gospel in, in making disciples my mom um she she uh had to go to work when she was in eighth grade and uh she was a believer she didn't know much about the word she i i know that when i went to college she prayed for me to be to be saved i know that but she was very she didn't get a lot of 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 uh teaching and so she'd do things like uh, there'd be a a receipt that would come up with six 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 on it, and she would freak out you know <gasps> or or um she wouldn't quote scripture because if she got it wrong, you know some God might strike her or something you know this is god's holy word and i can't I can't even say it if i don't say it exactly the right way, and so you know i thought wow this this Bible thing is weird, you know, and then God gave me the truth and I don't need to worry about those things because God cares about my heart. It's not not about the exact words. He's got you covered. But if you say, Lord, I, I I want to follow you and I want to be as powerful as I can to make disciples and I want to help others do the same, he's given us a structure here, a framework that we can follow. And then he's gifted us with all that we need. So, consider these passages. Don't worry about the exact word. And encourage others to do the same because he's, he's given us the framework, he's given us the tools, and he's given us the charge. We just need to do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, holy is your name. We exalt you as, as our creator, as the one who has bestowed us the opportunity to enter into your kingdom and have eternal life. And as the one who will uh, stand before us at the judgment, Lord, and and our whole life and and what we've done for you, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that you would Um, work in our hearts, Lord, help us to be your disciples, to accomplish your work of, of making disciples and to understand our peace in that each and every day, that we come to you, not doing something for you, but with you in prayer and through your word, that we can do what we've been given to do each and every day, Lord, that that wherever you've planted us, whether it be at work or home or family or wherever, um, walking in middle of a street or or whatever, Lord, that that you have a purpose and a, a plan for us. As we heard from uh, Andrew, brother Andrew yesterday, Pastor Ong, Lord, that so many times we, we don't even know what's going on. We we think it may be sharing for one person and another person is there in the park and um, is the one that you had us um, the whole time looking to to talk to. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare those divine appointments, prepare us for that, that you would be exalted, that you would be lifted up, uh, that, that your harvest would be filled. Help us to see that it is plenteous and we need to be one of those few laborers who would exalt your name. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.